0: Praise the Lord. God is good. God is good. He's an awesome God. Amen. Shall we pray? In Jesus' name. Ah, oh, Father, we just love you. You're an awesome God. Thank you. Thank you for such love. So much love, so much love, that cost you the life of your son. Thank you, Jesus. You went to that cross just for love. And today we enjoy everything that, Father, you provided for us through your son, Jesus Christ. If our bodies are filled with mouth, that it will not be enough to thank you. We we'll say thank you, Father. As we continue this morning, we pray, Lord, that you continue to speak to us, each of us, both those of them worshiping online with us. Speak to our hearts. Let your word have its way in us today that all the days of our lives we shall live with the realization of the truth. We're learning today, and we bear fruit therein. We just return all the glory, all the honor, all the adoration, all the thanksgiving to you, Lord. In Jesus' matchless name, we have prayed. Ah, oh, are you blessed? It's awesome. I want to thank God for our little daughters. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, the little one. May the Lord Lord reward you immensely for blessing us this morning in Jesus' name. So today we are continuing with our topic that says, can people look at you and see Christ? Our text is still from Galatians 419, ERV. It says, my little children, I'm in pain again over you. Like a mother giving birth, I will feel this pain until people can look at you and see Christ. Amen. And you begin to wonder, you already have Christ. And here is Paul, their spiritual father, saying that he will not stop interceding for them, for you, for myself. He will not stop praying, going through that labor pain until something happens. Christ is formed in us. That is the heart cry of Paul. That is his heart desire. It's also the heart cry. It should be of every single one of us, pastors, leaders, and everyone. Amen. Let's look at Galatians, that's Galatians 3.23. It says, so until the revelation of faith for salvation was released, the law was a jailer, holding us as prisoners under lock and key until the faith which was destined to be revealed would set us free. The law was our guidance. Is it still our guidance? It's no longer our guidance. Until Christ came. And now today, Christ has come. And we are saved by faith. Amen? So Colossians begins to tell us, Colossians 2 again, 6 to 10, it says, continue to follow Christ Jesus. It says, continue to follow him. That's the caption. And the verse 6 says, you accepted Christ Jesus as Lord, so continue to live following him. You must depend on Christ only. Only drawing life, your life, your strength from Him. You must depend on Him, only Christ. That's where your source of life is and strength. Just as you were taught the truth, continue to grow stronger in your understanding of faith. So we need growth also in our understanding of the Word. We need growth and never stop giving thanks to God. It says, be sure you are not led away by the teaching of those who have nothing worth, worth saying and only plan to deceive you. That's what it is. You know, you may not see it so much here, but you can still, if you look around, where people are dragging you from one fellowship to the other, be careful Then, when you venture home, you need to be extra, extra careful, amen? Just make sure you're not being led away by those teachings of those who have nothing worth saying and only plan. That's what they plan to do, to deceive you. They want money. They want to enrich themselves. They want fame like the Judaizers. They want to look big before people, so they just lure you and you come in and then they've gotten you and that's all he wants. We should be careful. As Paul is, Paul is warning the Galatians, the warning is also coming to us. Amen? You belong to Christ. Verse 10 says, because and because you belong to Christ, you are complete. You don't need anything else. You have everything you need in Christ. Christ is ruler over every other power and authority, including those ones that are making you to run around. He is still ruler over them. They are under his feet. They are under your feet. Because you are his body. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let us look at Galatians 4. 4 to 5. It says, But when the proper time had come fully, God sent his son, born of a woman, Born subject to the regulations of the law, to purchase the freedom of, to ransom, to redeem, to atone for those who were subject to the law, you and I, that we might be adopted, adopted child of God, and that you might have sonship conferred, like we said last week, upon you and be recognized as God's son. It means a great deal. In case you don't know, a child of God. It means a great deal, that title. Amen. And so now, because you're sons, you're also heirs. You're heirs. Heirs of the kingdom, joint heirs with Christ. Amen. I want you to know that you're no longer a slave. You're now a son. You are now what? A son. That's a great difference between a slave and his son. Praise the Lord. That's what you are. So Paul was very angry with these people because they were going back again to their vomits. And that's something we should be careful not to do, to go back to the works of the laws. Amen. Let's look at Galatians 5, 1 to 2, and verse 4. He says we have freedom now. Because Christ made us free, it cost Him His life. How could you go back again to war, to works, legalism? How can you go back again? He says, Christ already made you free. So stand strong in that freedom. Don't go back into slavery again. That slavery is keeping the laws again, doing works so as you can so as you can impress God. He says, listen, I, Paul, tell you that if you start following the law by being circumcised, then Christ cannot help you again. He says, Christ, I warn you, I warn everyone, if you allow yourselves to be circumcised, then you must follow the whole law. And you know you cannot do that, right? Yes, if you reject the salvation that came to you by grace, through faith, your faith in God, then what are you going to do? There's nothing else that can save you. Praise the Lord. So as we go from here today, we want to bear something, one thing in mind. We're not going back to laws. We are free. Verse 17 message says, those heretical teachers go to great lengths to flatter you. That's what they do. But their motives are rotten. They want to shut you out of the free world of God's grace. That's what they want to do. That you no longer be free. You entangle yourself again with the yoke of works and the law. That will never be your portion again. Never our portion again in Jesus' name. We enjoy the freedom that we have in Christ. Then Paul now says, my little children, I'm in pain again. Over you like a mother, giving birth. I will feel this pain until people begin to look at you. When they look at you, they see Christ. And so I ask my question again, can people look at you? Can your husband, we had what was said here this morning. Charity begins at home. No, nope, In fact, you can come outside and look godly. But only your spouse can tell, if you're really, the way you look outside, inside. We've had testimonies of women crying. What I see in the pulpit is not what I see at home. I'm married to two men. And you think that people are schizophrenics. schizophrenics, doctors and medical people, please forgive me. You would think that is what they are. There are one thing outside. Just like Paul was saying, what you are, when I'm here, can you please be the same way behind me? Can you be the same way outside? Can you be one thing here and the same thing at home? I'm asking husbands. I'm asking wives. Don't show that your holiness before the pastor, the senior pastor, especially the senior pastors or other pastors or in the church. All holy, talking. Language of born-again Christians. But when you go home, you become terror. I was staying with a sister in my friend's house, in the hospital. We were just chatting with an old girl, Okunano girls. So we were just there talking. And then one of the ladies was talking. He said, sister, is that the voice of my husband that I'm hearing? Is that my husband laughing? She said, yes, because she was outside with us but the husband was inside where the nurses were giving him treatment. The wife said, can my husband laugh this loud? I've never heard this ring in his voice for years. Is this the same man that I meet at home? What is this man's testimony? What Paul was trying to to tell us. He was telling these people, please, just be the way you are. Not just when I'm there, but also when I'm not there. Can you be the same person in the pulpit? Can you be the same person that you are right here in this pulpit in Fountain of the Living World Church? Can you be the same person at home? Can your husband look at you and say, Wow, I never knew I was dining and whining with Jesus. Can your wife look at you, husband, and say, I never knew I'm married to the Christ. Can your children look at you and say, Indeed, Daddy, even if I don't read the word, your life preaches to me. Children, can your parents look at you and say, "Faith fruits"? My son is a child of God. Can people look at you at your workplace and see Jesus Christ? This question I had it last week, and it continues to ring again and again. Amen. So today, let's look at again Galatians three twenty six. He's saying, "For you who are." I don't have it, I'm sorry. I don't have it, I didn't give it to you. For you who are born again have been reborn from above, spiritually transformed. You are renewed. You are sanctified. And you are all children of God. You've been set apart for his purpose. God has a purpose for you. With full rights and privileges, you have all of them. The full rights and privileges of a child of God, of a son. Praise the Lord. That is who you are. And that is Paul's heart cry. How is this going to happen? Christ has to be formed in you. People can see that Christ in you. Otherwise, it becomes religion. Christ's life has to be visible in your life. Wherever you are, whether at home, in the church, in the school. Amen? And you know, one of the key things we talked about last week was this Romans 8, 28 to 30. i just go quickly to 29. It says, for those whom he foreknew and loved and chose beforehand, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Conforming to the image of his son. That is the essence of this whole thing. Praise the Lord. You've been destined. Praise God. You've been destined to be conformed to the image of His Son. You go down to 29, it says, And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified, declared free of the guilt of sin. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. You see the glorification, you see the justification, you see the calling predestination to the end, that's what? You'll be conformed to the image of his son. Amen? And that is why Paul looked at the church. We said last week, we're trying to recap. That is why Paul looked at the church in Ephesians 4.13, ERV. And Paul says, our goal is to become like a full-grown man, to look just like Christ and have all his perfection. That is what the church. That's where we're going. That's the heart cry of Paul. The heart cry of Pastor Emmanuel, You know that, Pastor Dorothy. You leaders, you children of God, it should be your heart cry also. That you will grow into this perfection, that people will look at you and you're looking just like Christ, and you have all his perfection. You talk like him. You walk like him. You love like him. You reason like him, and there will be no difference. That is where we are going, and that is where the church is going. Praise the Lord. So, and then we'll go quickly to Ephesians 2, uh, 2 Corinthians five seventeen, a passage we all know. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ that is glorified, that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him, As Savior, He's a new creature. I want that grafted. Because when you graft those two branches, the sour one, the bitter one, we begin to do what? Change. It gets sweet. Sweet. All the food, whatever nutrient from the vine is rushing into us. And today, you are a new creature. You have a new spirit recreated by the Spirit and all your old habits, the way you marry, the way you talk to your wife, to your husband, did you hear that? She said, until he loves me, I can't submit to him. And then she forgot Ephesians 5.21, that says submit unto one another. I'm not asking the husband to submit leadership or headship to the wife, that will not happen. That will not happen. That's not the Bible. But the husband submits in providing her needs in loving her, and she submits to the husband's headship, just as we, the church, submit to Christ, and just as Christ loves us. That's a true picture of what husband and wife should be. Amen? So today, we're seeing we have this recreated spirit. So in all our relationships, our words, our conduct, should be directed under the direction of, Of this recreated spirit. Because we have the same life that is in Jesus Christ in us. We have his nature. The Father has imparted this nature to you, to me. And with that nature, we have all the attributes that make Jesus what he is. Amen? Same nature. Same love life. That's where I'm going today. Christ be formed in you. People will look at you and see love because you are born of love. You are birthed by love. The Bible says God is love. An Igbo adage will say whatever a snake has or gives birth to has to be long. We are children of love. People should look at us and see that nature in us. Amen. We are bathed by love, so we should look like love. 1 John 4, 12 says, no one has ever seen God. 1 John 4, 12, 16. 1 John 4, 12 to 16, ERV. He said, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. If we love each other, God's love has reached his goal. That is his goal. It is made perfect in us. We know that we live in God and God lives in us. We know this because He gave us His spirit. We have seen that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. And this is what we tell people now. Anyone who says, I believe that Jesus is the Lord, is the Lord, is the Son of God, is a person who lives in God, and God lives in that person. So We know the love that God has for us, and we must trust that love. God is love. Everyone who lives in love lives in God, and God lives in them. This is the nature of God that I'm bringing out today. Let Christ be seen in you as people see you. Let them see love in your words, in your conducts. Will they see Christ? Will they see love? Will your love shine out? Will the love of Christ shine out? Because he's living that love in you. Will it shine out from you to bless people? You'll be the channel, the pipeline through which that love will shine out to bless your family, your husband, your wife, your children, your co-workers, sisters, and brothers. Wherever you are, you are going to be that pipe through which people Feel and experience the love of Christ as he lives his life through you. Amen. Romans 5.5 tells us, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been shed abroad. Poured This one says poured, has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us the love of God. Like we said, we quickly say, oh, we have the nature of God. We have his life. You also have that love. Praise the Lord. And God, wherever he went, it was love that constrained him to give his son, that constrained the son to die on that cross. The love of God should also constrain us as we talk to people, our spouses, our children, our co-workers, sisters, brethren, wherever you are. Amen. And we have only one law that he gave to us. The new creation. John 13, 34 to 35. It's i I'm giving you a new commandment. That you love one another. Are you able to do that? Yes. He cannot ask you to do what you cannot do. I can't get my little granddaughter and put a weight of 100 pounds on her head. No, I'll give a little tiny baby doll that weighs about a gram, two grams. So God said, He's giving us a new commandment that we love one another. We are able, we have this ability in us. So just as I have loved you, so you too are to love one another. I'm to love you as Christ loves me, or to love me as He loved you too. By this, everyone we know that too are my disciples if you have love and unselfish concern for one another. Amen. Back then, I wonder, this thing was so vivid. When I look at born-again Christians then, all I knew was the scripture union people. You know how all Kona, girls is so, so, so religious? I don't know. We have a lot of Christians, though. We have the SCM. We have the SU members. We have lots of Christian organizations then I would look at them and I ask myself why do they, why would sister, somebody like this love this person more than other people, they love themselves they were so closely, they were knit together in love wow, and I'm wondering these Scripture union people, what is it with them, they love their sisters and brothers more than they love even their own parents, I didn't understand when I got born again, my auntie said the same thing of me she said in my dialect, excuse me, this is takinei chenaya Oh, you're waiting for your sisters. We are not human beings. Because there's this thing in us. It is the love of God that has been shared abroad in our hearts. Praise the Lord. And everywhere he talks about the brethren, your fellow sisters and brothers in Christ. And this is how the world should know you. They should be able to look at you. You have something I don't have. Where do you worship? What is it about you? There's something different about you. That should be your testimony. Praise the Lord. So that I begin to wonder why all this selfishness that we see in marriages today, why all this selfishness that we see in our relationships, instead of you know selflessness, we're seeing selfishness. Where is it coming from? We should be able to be directed by our recreated spirit. We should be able to live and walk and live this life being directed by a recreated spirit. It should take ascendancy in us. That is what people should see. There's something different. But because of the war, they didn't know the Father. They didn't know, how would they even know you? But you know it is a recreated spirit. Amen. You know, let me read this little excerpt that I saw. It says selfishness is a deadly poison. it says selfishness is a deadly, it's as deadly as poison. It is poison to the spirit and poison to the body of Christ and causes practically all the diseases in the body. And the only thing that can destroy it is love. Praise the Lord. Love as Christ loved you. So when you do this, there's no need for the Ten Commandments, is there? Why is there no need for the Ten Commandments? Romans 13, 10 answers. It begins to say, love does, love does no wrong to a neighbor; It never hurts anyone. Therefore, unselfish love is the fulfillment of the law. When you're walking in this God's kind of love, you're fulfilling the whole Lord, praise the Lord. So we must learn to walk in love. Let it be. It takes time. But it's a constant practice. It's already poured out in our hearts. And like faith, that's a way to do it. Because the Bible tells us in Romans twelve three, 3. It says, for I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly, as God has dealt to everyone a measure of faith. And so, what do you do with that faith? You begin to cultivate it. You begin to develop that faith, right? The same thing with this love that is what I brought abroad in your hearts. You should be able, even today, let this word, that, as we hear it, will just take control of our lives. Let it permeate into our hearts. And we begin to live by this realization of the truth that we're hearing today. Amen. We begin to cultivate, learn to cultivate that love, develop it. It's not going to be easy, but nothing good comes easy. And I'll tell you, you'll not be the one doing it. It will be Christ doing it in you. Amen. All you need to do is to be yielded, be willing, and yield yourself. You begin to feed this love, the love nature, this love nature, Fill it with the word of God. Practice every day. Practice giving love to people, grace to people. Grace is a kind of, is it not love? As you do your love work, begins to get stronger and stronger. Your love life begins to get stronger and stronger, just like exercise will do in your natural life. Spiritual exercise avail it much. Amen. So now you begin to feed on the word of God. It's absolutely necessary. Begin to practice the word. Live the word. And then as should live this word, as you practice it, he himself begins to build, take the word of God, the word of God, and begin to build Christ into you. He builds himself into us through the word of God. And then we begin to live more and more and walk more and more like Christ. And people begin to see more of Christ in us as we saturate ourselves with the word of God. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the spoken word of Christ have its home within you, dwelling in your heart and mind, permeating every aspect of your being as you teach spiritual things and admonish and train one another the most important thing this, what allow that word, let it dwell richly. Richly. Abundance. In abundance in you. And let it permeate your entire being. And God knows how to do. He does what he knows what to do. How, what he knows to do. He's going to that, take that word and begin to do what? Build Christ in you. Amen? It's just amazing. Like God like builders, that God is able to do this, to build Christ, to build himself into us. Look at John six thirty-five and 57, A.M.P. He says, Christ replied to them, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will never be hungry. And the one who believes in me as savior will never be thirsty, for that one will be sustained spiritually, I'm talking about the word, consuming the word, eating that word, digesting it. Until Christ is formed in you. Even so, it says, even so, the one who feeds on me, believes in me, accepts me as Savior, will also live because of me. I'm seeing some scriptures all today about you consuming the word of God. It doesn't have overdose. Don't be afraid. Amen? It doesn't have overdose. You can have as much as you want. Matthew 4 4 says, Jesus replied, it is written and forever remains written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. We're talking about Christ being formed in you through the word. We're talking about people looking at you and seeing Christ. Will they look at you and seeing Christ as you continue to consume The word of God. And assimilation takes place. Your life will be changing. People will begin to see more and more. More and more. That Christ in you. Jeremiah 15 says, Your words came to me and I ate them. And they made me happy. Amen. So, God wants us to also, just like every good father, he wants to see Christ formed in you. He wants people to look at you and see Christ in your thoughts, your words, your actions, inclinations, and everything. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 5 says, therefore, become imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example as well, beloved children, imitate their father. And walk continually in love. And that's our theme for this year, Family Month. Family Forum. Family month. Walk what? Continually. Not only when you're happy. Walk continually in love. That is, it begins to tell you what it is. It says, value each other. Value your husband. Value your wife. Value your friend. Value another sister. Value your children. Value your parents. Practice empathy, which is very, if you begin to practice empathy, nothing else. You put yourself in their shoes and begin to see how they feel before you react. Why do they behave the way they behave and give you the best construction? Practice empathy and compassion. You see, his compassion never fails. That's what the Bible says. You will not be tired of compassion. Praise the Lord. Unselfishly seeking the best for others. Unselfishly. You're putting the interests of others before yours. Your family members, your co-workers, or people in the church. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and sacrifice to God, slain for you so that you became a sweet fragrance. That's how you should sacrifice for your husband, your wife, your children, people around you. And that sacrifice is a sweet fragrance, not killing yourself. You sacrifice to put their interest before yours. Amen. Christ has to be formed in us. People should be able to look at us and see Christ. Amen? I remember again talking about Philippians 2.13. It says, it's not in your strength. I want to encourage you. It's not in your strength. Paul says, the life I live, now I live. Not in his own power. It is Christ living in him. The one he lives in this body is by the faith of the Son of God. The faith of Christ. And so as you do this, Philippians, Paul begins to tell us here that it's not in your own strength. It is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, not you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. Amen. God is one at work within you, willing. And walk in his good pleasure. It is time for us to realize that God is in us. That God on the inside of us. God inside minded. That is who we should be. Do not be afraid. All you need to do is, you know, yield yourself. Be ready. And you need to be going forward. God inside minded. God is in you. It is him that is in you. That is giving you the desire to will and to do of his good pleasure. We must not forget it is not us, so we should not be afraid. You have him in you. He's there to build Christ into you, to build the living word into us. Amen. John 14:10. He says, Don't you believe that I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me? The things I have told you don't come from me. The Father lives in me, and he is doing his work. He's doing his own work, just like you. He lives in you. Praise the Lord. I don't know what happened. (laughs) Praise God. Let me quickly go to some of those prayers that Paul did for us. Colossians 1, 9 to 12. You see him talking about, he says, for this reason, since the day we heard about it, we have not stopped praying for you. Asking specifically that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom. With insight into his purposes. And in understanding of spiritual things. Why is he praying this prayer? He says so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So that you, you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Displaying admirable character. Moral courage, personal integrity to do what? To fully please him in all things and bearing fruit in every good work, steadily growing in the knowledge of God. Paul is praying all these prayers for all these things for us. Praise the Lord. And then giving thanks, as say, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share. In this inheritance of the saints, how many of us have even taken time to say, God, I thank you that I'm an heir to all your blessings? How many of us have taken time to do that? But Paul said today, remember, always give thanks. Amen. Always give thanks. It is God's will for you. It is his desire for you to make himself known to you in such a real way that you can enter into all the riches of the fullness of his life that belongs to you amen let us look at 1 Corinthians nine to 10 he says on the contrary as the scripture says what eyes what eye has not seen and ear has not heard and has not entered into the heart of man all that God has prepared, made, and keeps ready for those who love him, who hold him in affectionate, affectionate reverence, prompting, promptly obeying him, and gratefully recognizing the benefits he has bestowed. He says, "Yea, to us, God has unveiled those things. And this thing is no longer a secret. It is now revealed to us. Through the Holy Spirit, who is able to search all things, even the deep things of God. Your recreated spirit also, in cooperation, praise the Lord. These unsearchable riches belong to us, but we have to search for them. You know, pearls at the bottom of the sea, you have the most beautiful pearls. The same way, this is the most beautiful treasure you can ever find these unsearchable riches. Do we even take time to meditate on that and seek it as we seek pearls, genuine pearls, amen? Philippians 1, 20 says, this is in keeping with my own eager desire and persistent expectation and hope that I shall not disgrace myself. We talked about this last week. Nor be put to shame in anything, but that with the utmost freedom of speech and unfailing courage, now as always here to, for Christ the Messiah will be magnified and get glory and praise in his body, in this body of mine, and be boldly exalted in my person. Will Christ be magnified in your body? Will Christ, will people look at you and give glory to him as Christ has been magnified in your body, as you walk in love, loving people, even as God himself has loved you? This is the number one nature of God. You're a child of love, birthed by love. You also should be able to live by love and walk by love. Amen. Look at John 15, 7 to 8. It says, if you live in me, abide vitally united to me, and my words remain in you and continue to live in your hearts. Ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. Whatever you bear, when you bear, when you bear produce much fruit, my Father is honored and glorified. It's not about... How do I put the word of God? You reading the word. Every believer is in Christ. The question is, is His word in us? Do you have the word of God abiding richly in you? The word that you have in you is what matters. The word that is put into work. The one that is put into work. Does the word of God occupy a position of mind. Dom- dom- how do I put it? Is the word of God dominating your life? Is it the power that is influencing your life? Is the word of God the power that is influencing your decisions, your choices every day? Is that what taking ascendancy in your life, dominating it? Jeremiah said, he feeds upon the word of God. And now we are feeding on the word, right? We are living in that word. We are practicing the word and look at what James said about us. In James 1, James says they be doers of the word, obey the message and not merely listeners to it. Betray yourselves into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it and being a doer of it, he's like a man who looks carefully at his own natural face in the mirror. And guess what? He just walks away. Even if he finds any mess on his on his face, he just looks and he walks away. And that word is non-productive in him. But you should be the executors of this word. You should be the people that let the word of God run your life. Run your life. Praise the Lord. Jesus said, a doer of that word dug deep and built his house upon that rock. And he made that house to stand secure against every storm of life. Praise the Lord. So also is your own life. When you dig into the word of God, when you dig and study that word and live by that word, come what may, victory is yours. Amen. And Jesus said, when you go to verse 5, says, my word have found a place. That word will find its place in you. Amen. Let's see Ephesians 3. Ephesians Ephesians 3, 16. AMP. May he grant you out of the riches of his glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self, indwelling your innermost being and personality. And then why is he praying that? He said, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through your faith. And may you, having been deeply rooted and secured, grounded in love, be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, God's people, the width and the length and the height and the depth of his love, fully experiencing that amazing endless love and that you may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself. This is Paul's prayer for us. The Spirit's prayer through him, praying all this experiential knowledge of that love. And it's not coming anywhere except through the word. You don't just have to read the word. You also have to meditate on the word like Joshua. You also have to practice that word. There's no way anything is happening if you're not practicing. Praise God. There's no way it's happening. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He wants that word of God to gain control of our whole being. He wants that word of God to take control completely, that Christ, because that word is Christ, and Christ is the word, right? Okay, when the word of God takes ascendancy, lordship of your life, it is Christ that is also taking lordship of your life, amen? The word gains that control, and as that word of God gains control of your life and dominates your thinking, your reasoning, because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If it dominates your thinking, it also dominates your actions. It dominates your words. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth begins to speak. So when you speak, people will hear Christ. When you talk, they will hear Christ. Whatever you do, people will see Christ in you. Amen? Because the word of God is taking that preeminence. It's taking that ascendancy in your life. Amen? Okay, let me also read something I praise God. So he's still talking about us, having that knowledge, exact knowledge of the word of God. Let me read 1 Corinthians 2, 11 to 12. It says, for what person perceives knows and understand what passes through a man's thoughts except the man's own spirit within him. So just so no one descends or comes to know and comprehend the thoughts of God except, that, except the spirit of God. Now we have not received the spirit that belongs to the world, but the Holy Spirit who is from God given to us that you and I might realize and comprehend, which is understand, And appreciate the gifts of divine favor and blessings so freely and lavishly bestowed on us by God. You know, some of us are still talking about salvation, rudiments of salvation. But there are the deep things of God that the Holy Spirit keeps crying out through Paul's Pauline epistle, his revelation, talking about these deep secrets, these deep things of God talking about those pearls, precious, priceless pearls. Instead of us to seek it, to grow, to grow. You know, parents, you're looking at your child's developmental milestone, right? And if they've not accomplished it at a certain age, you get worried. A child of four is still crawling. They can't stand. They can't walk. A child of eight is still being fed milk, liquid, You get worried. God, you can see through the Holy Spirit, Paul talking, crying, that we come to that full realization of what we have in Christ, of what He went to that cross to purchase for you, and begin to strive for it, and begin to hunger and thirst for it, and begin to walk so that you will gain all the fullness, the riches that God has for you in his inheritance, in your, which is your inheritance? Do we even go there? He wants us not to be where we are if your child is not doing what they're supposed to do. It's a cause for you to be, mar- to be worried. Amen? Look at 2 Peter 3, 18. Amplified, give me the classic. He says, but grow in grace. Undeserved favor, spiritual strength, and recognition, and knowledge, and understanding of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Messiah. To him be glory, honor, majesty, splendor, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So when we read the Word of God, we need to be careful to do what? To follow. And not overlook some of these biblical injunctions. We're still there, still quarreling about who said what, who didn't say what, who did what, who didn't do what, who looked at me, who didn't look at me. And you leave the deep things of God, these unsearchable riches that He has given to you. Instead of you to bend down, study the word, pray about it, follow, do accordingly, so that you begin to enjoy all that your father has made available for you. You're busy looking at those rudiments of salvation. And it grieves the heart of the Father who gave his son for you just so you will enjoy all these riches. And the son who went to that cross to purchase all these goodies for us with his blood, do we even take time to sit down to meditate and to pursue growth, spiritual growth? He said, grow in grace. Do you and I even care whether or not we are giving heed to some of those biblical injunctions that for our good, we need to think about it, about grace, and try to see what we need to do and begin to do the needful. There's so much our Father provided for us that we need to really make a conscious effort to even try to understand them, to study, to understand them. Amen. God wants us to enjoy the unsearchable riches that belong to us. But we have to take time to search for them as we do pearls. Amen. I want us to go back to our main verse. I'm going back to my Galatians, chapter 4. Praise the Lord. And I'll tell you. Galatians 4, if I can have it up there, that will be okay. Praise the Lord. Galatians four nineteen. Can you please give me the TPT? Wow. Wow. Okay. I'll do the message. Galatians 4. And you know, message message comes in a block. It says, um, message says, it is a good thing to be passionate. For us to be passionate. Doing good. Yes. But not just when he is there. Not not just when I am in your presence. Can't you continue the good, the same, can't you continue the same consign for both my person and my message when I'm away from you that you had when I was with you? Then he says, do you know how I feel right now? I will feel until Christ's life becomes visible in your lives like a mother in the pain of childbirth and I'm asking you how do you think God feels what do you think God thinks about you your spiritual developmental milestone how are you going about it he says he will not stop interceding God is waiting, looking at you so that all his efforts, his sacrifice will not be in vain. Paul said he will continue like this until Christ's life becomes visible in your life. And I ask again, when will Christ's life become visible in your life? When will Christ's life become visible in my life. Shall we bow our heads in prayer?